Over the last 12 months, my agency has produced over 1,000 pieces of video creative for an e-commerce brand. And in this episode, I'm gonna share the big learnings that we've had over this time to help you grow as a video strategist. Let's dive in. The world of video marketing for business is changing and I don't want you to get left behind. G'day, I'm your host, Ben Amos, and welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you the best in the world of video marketing, content creation, business growth strategy, and storytelling, along with practical tips, insight, and knowledge that you need to grow as a confident video strategist and build profitable businesses. Let's get on with the show. G'day, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is episode 267. It has been a crazy busy start to the year for for my video strategy agency. And in particular, one of our major clients for 2022 continues into 2023 as we continue to work with them and partner with them on their e-commerce ad strategy. Now, this particular client, over the last 12 months, we've had them as a retainer client and they're in a high volume, low margin world of direct response e-commerce. So their their business is based off the back of running e-commerce ads on social media, on TikTok and on YouTube and getting a direct response, a purchase and add to the cart and so on. So a little bit of a backstory here. Back in 2021, we first completed some trial run ad creative projects for this company. And following the successful delivery of some ads that really worked for them, we actually led them into starting up a partnership agreement. And since then, we've been delivering approximately 40 to 60 ad creatives, individual pieces of social media ad creatives per month that we optimize for for meta platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and also TikTok and YouTube. Now, this e-commerce company invests close to $1 million per month in ad spend. So having full visibility on their ad spend and their performance metrics has been really valuable to us and to me as a video strategist. And using that data, we've refined our approach to ad creative that scales. Now, of course, it's a work in progress and we continue to try and crack the the ad creative and deliverables that are really going to succeed. But in this episode, I'm going to share with you some insight that we've gained as video strategists working on million dollar direct response ad campaigns with the hope that you can pick up a thing or two for your clients, regardless of their budget. And I'm going to start by sharing some general comments, and then I'm going to break down one by one the key performance metrics that we've been paying attention to with this client to determine the success of our creative and what we've been focusing on to improve month by month. Now, a little bit of a caveat here, our role as a video strategy agency in this particular case has been to deliver the ad creative, produce the videos and deliver them. And then the client and particularly the ads managing, the ads manager for that client is actually running the campaigns. So we're responsible for delivering the creative and then we're relying on them to share data with us and we have insight on the data so that together we partner with them on delivering creative that works, right? So here's a couple of general, I guess, learnings and key things that I wanted to share with you as we've kind of worked with this client over the last 12 months. And, you know, our background for my video agency in brand video storytelling, in, um, you know, client stories, in, in creating beautiful and engaging brand type videos, 
The fact is, and one of the things we learned very quickly is that the old rules or the existing rules of video production and video storytelling, they kind of don't apply here. When it comes to running ad creative that works in these vertical first um, social media native formats, we need to kind of throw out some of the preconception or ideas that we have around how videos should be put together, particularly when it comes to, to the idea of storytelling. So we know as video producers the power of, of telling a story and, and bringing people on a journey and moving them towards taking an action through that emotional response that stories provide. However, when it comes to direct response ads that need to hook very quickly and then need to drive a direct action and add to cart, a click through to a website and a purchase of a product, then the idea of telling a story needs to be flipped. In fact, we need to you know, front load that story and get, uh, get the information across much more quickly. And we combine with that that we need to break some of the rules that we're used to as video producers of how we how we frame uh, a shot, for example, or how we um, how we use cinematic techniques such as um, you know uh, rack focus and um, uh, and mise en scène and all of that stuff that we that we control as video producers. It kind of doesn't have as much of a place in some of these these native social media formats. In fact, in many cases, we have been producing uh, both pro quality content for these ads with you know our, our Canon cinema cameras, and we've also at the same time been producing content just shot on iPhone in a vertical format with a very user generated kind of a feel to it. And to be honest. And you know, I'm a little bit sad to say this as a video producer, but it's the the raw, the, the native, the user-generated kind of feel to the content that is often really working much better in these ad platforms. So not that we have to throw out the old rules as video producers, but we need to rethink. We need to be open and adaptable to changing and working in formats that are native to these platforms. The other thing I want to emphasize here is the idea of or the importance of testing and then iterating and then scaling. Okay, so that's kind of the mindset that we have here. We test ideas and then we find ideas that work and then we create iterations of or variations of those ideas that seem to be working. And then when we nail an, an angle or a concept that is, is really working and returning on that ad spend, then we go to scale that okay so we figure out how to do that in in different ways in different formats with different talents in different locations so that we can take that winning angle and then scale it and the fact is here regardless of how much we think we get our audience and we understand what is going to work the fact is we don't know what's going to work until we let the data speak for itself Sometimes, for example, um, I think we're on a winning, a winning angle, a winning concept for an ad and we produce it and we deliver it and, it and it flops. The data doesn't show that it works. Audiences don't resonate with it, whatever that may be. So you, kind of, you can't be too scared of killing off your darlings as the saying goes. So let the data speak, test, iterate and then scale. Now, combined with this is the idea of experimentation as well. We've learned that we can't be afraid to go out on a limb. On these ad platforms, attention needs to be earned. The average user is scrolling like the height of the Eiffel Tower every single day on their social media feed. So 
what is going to grab their attention and jump out at them and get them to to stop the thumb scroll and then take the action, watch the content, and then click through and buy the thing, right? So we've learned that we can't be afraid to experiment. And for example, some of the things that we've we've learned to experiment with is is trying different um, different uses of, of visuals in the opening shots or or shooting with a very odd point of view that makes people kind of stop and think, what am I looking at here? Um, or trying some unexpected kind of moments of magic where it, people are thinking they're watching one thing and then all of a sudden something else happens. And doing that in the opening seconds, obviously, is, is where we're capturing that attention. We've even tried bringing in some animated characters into real-life scenarios just to see how that kind of reacts. And surprisingly, some of these unexpected ideas have worked better than we thought. So by allowing ourselves some opportunity to play, we're actually coming up with more concepts that are, that are winning. And fortunately, we're partnering with a client that gives us that flexibility as well. Now, I want to get into some tactical uh, information for you in this episode to make sure that you walk away from this episode with um, some clarity around how you can work in this, this way of creating video ad creative that can scale in direct response. So, and really what it comes down to is understanding certain key metrics and then paying attention to how you can influence those metrics to improve over time. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to break down some of the main metrics that we've been looking at with this e-commerce client as we've been delivering their ad creative and some of our learnings that we've had to influence these metrics and improve them through iterating and revising and creating variations of our, our creative as well. So some of the metrics that we're going to look at are things like thumb stop ratio, retention and through play, CTR, CTP, CPA, AAC, ROAS. Okay, that might have just blown your mind a little bit. You might have heard some of those acronyms before, but stick with me. I'm going to break down each one of them and make it super simple for you to understand. Okay, the first one and probably the most important, probably, <laughs> that was a bit weird, probably the most important when it comes to direct response ads is a, a metric called thumb stop ratio. Now, this is a measurement of three second views on the ads divided by the number of impressions of the ad. So how often the ad was shown to a particular audience. So the thumb stop ratio is a metric that measures the effectiveness of the first few seconds of a video ad in capturing and holding the viewer's attention. So as the name suggests, the thumb stop, the goal is to create a video ad that stops the thumb or stops the scroll of the viewer as they're scrolling through their social media feed on their mobile device. So the thumb stop ratio is calculated by measuring the percentage of viewers who watch the first three seconds of the video ad compared to the total number of viewers who were served the ad. So for example, if there were a thousand viewers who were actually served the video ad and 500 of them watched the first three seconds of the ad, then the thumb stop ratio would be 50%. Now, 50% is a very high thumb stop ratio. What we're aiming for with this client, we're aiming for around 25 to 30% as a winning thumb stop. And some ads that we've created are higher than that. But really, if we're getting that 25 to 30%, then that's working well for us. See, a high thumb stop ratio indicates that the video ad is effective at capturing the audience's attention and encouraging them to continue watching and to watch more of the ad. Now, of course, this is crucial, right? Because that will determine whether someone will continue watching the ad or just scroll past the ad. 
So some of our key learnings we've had in improving the thumb stop is that we need to produce multiple variations of every ad concept with multiple hooks because despite our best guesses, we don't know what's going to work, what's going to actually stop the thumb. So we've tried a whole bunch of different things and, you know, we've, t- we've tried putting big bold text on screen and that works well, okay? So obviously depending on what the content of that text is, it needs to, needs to hook the viewer and, and kind of and usually try and hook on some sort of emotion, something that's going to make them care or stop in their tracks, right? Sometimes intrigue works well in that text as well. So big, bold text, recognising that people are scrolling fast through a news feed and you want to get that right on the screen in the opening seconds. Another thing that's surprised me actually that's worked really well is is using using some visual hacks in the video. So you know, doing funny little things like adding a, a bit of a screen shake uh, to the to the opening seconds, or adding some little glitches so that people, as they're scrolling the feed, they kind of that they, they might not even see it. It might be an imperceptible glitch, but it actually helps for people to stop scrolling and think, well, "What just happened there?" Right? Um, we've also added like bulges so that the ad kind of seems to bulge out a little bit. Don't overdo this, but make it imperceptible enough that but perceptible enough that people, uh, you know, do experience that, that hack, but they don't really know that they're being hacked, okay? So think about using visuals in different ways as well as big, bold text on the screen. You can also think about hooking, you know, on emotion, particularly in faces. So by opening the, the opening second of an ad with, you know, a human face, you know, extreme close-up of a human face making some sort of an emotional response, in their, in their facial expressions can be very powerful, we've found. And even thinking about the music. So although meta platforms like Facebook and Instagram are sound off platforms primarily, um, the music can work particularly well for the hook, um, particularly on YouTube shorts and on TikTok as well. We found that uh, the sound effects in the music can work really well. The other thing that I'd add here is do some research and pay attention to what's going viral in, in the hooks, particularly on say TikTok and Reels. Instagram reels, right? So there are certain certain hooks or phrases or, or words that are being used over and over again and they change all the time, right? But if you can if you can research and find those viral hooks and then make them your own, then we've found some real real winning combinations with those uh, in, in, in impacting the thumb stop as well. So thumb stop, a critical metric to pay attention to in, in these direct response ads and a lot of fun to try and figure out. The next metric that we pay attention to is retention and what Meta or Facebook ads are referred to as through plays. Now, retention refers to the percentage of viewers who continue to watch a video ad from the beginning to the end. So this metric is important because it shows how engaging and relevant the ad is to an audience. So a high retention rate means that the ad is really effective at holding the attention of the viewer and delivering its message. On the other hand, of course, a low retention rate, it may indicate that the ad's not resonating with the audience and we may need to do a variation or adjust it. So through plays, on the other hand, is a metric that's uh, really just a Facebook ads metric, uh, which is referring to the number of times a video ad is played to completion or at least the first 15 seconds. So this metric is used by Facebook to optimize the delivery of video ads and ensure that they're served to people who are more likely to watch them. So the key learnings we've had when it comes to retention in these video ads is we need to keep these ads short in most cases. So we've found that less than 60 seconds is kind of the sweet spot for these ads. 
but we need to include a lot of information in that time and move very quickly through the different stages of the structure of the ad. So through, through the hook, through the problem, through the solution and the call to action. And we need to get quickly to the solution. Um, I recommend and we've found that include some fast-paced edits. So three to four cuts in the first eight seconds can be um, really effective in, in uh, pushing that retention further. And get a brand impression in early. You, you've got limited time to get that brand impression. Even if you don't get a high retention, if you can get that, that brand impression, get that logo, get that product in there within the first five seconds, then that's going to, to work well, particularly when it comes to getting that, um, you know, that CPA or that cost per acquisition down as well. And we'll get to CPA shortly. Also, we found that uh, when it comes to retention, if you, if you include not necessarily at the start of the ad, but as you get kind of towards the middle and towards the end of the ad, if you include some social proof or some user-generated content or something that, that validates the, the product's effectiveness, right, then that overcomes objections that people potentially have uh, to, to buying and that increases the, uh, the likelihood that they're going to click through to the ad and then, and then buy. So it also in, improves the retention as well. The fact is that Irrelevant ads, so ads that the ad platform such as Facebook or YouTube or, or Instagram, that if the algorithm determines that they're irrelevant to an audience, they, they won't get the spend or the, the algorithm won't find the audience. So again, don't be afraid if it's not getting the spend or it's not getting the retention just to cut the ad and, and stop the spend and, and either create a variation or, or move on to another concept. Remember that when it comes to retention for direct response ads, 100% retention really isn't the goal. The goal is to get people to have an, to watch enough of the content to encourage them to click through and to purchase the product. And sometimes that they don't need to get through to the CTA or the or the call to action at the end of the ad in order to uh, get enough information that will drive that click and that purchase. So don't don't focus on 100% retention, but look at retention as a measurement of how effective and engaging your ads are. The next metric that we look at is referred to as CTR or click-through rate or click-to-purchase or CTP. Now, that click-to-purchase meta calls it the click conversion rate, which is calculated as the number of conversions divided by clicks and it's expressed as a percentage. And the click-through rate is the number of clicks or the percentage of clicks that you get from the ad in comparison to the people who've, who've watched the ad, the impressions, right? Now, our learnings here is that click-through rate is less important than the next metric, which is cost per acquisition that we're going to look at next. But when you combine it with cost per acquisition, so combine the click-through rate with the cost per acquisition, really you can use that data to determine where conversion rate optimization is going to be important. So what I mean by conversion rate optimization is things that happen on the landing page or on the sales page. So if you get a click, if if the ad creative generates a click through to a product page or a landing page and you're getting, but you're getting high cost per acquisition. So if you're getting many clicks or a low or a high click through rate, not a low, if you get a high click through rate and, but you're getting a high cost per acquisition relative to the uh, cost of the product, then there's obviously room for conversion rate optimization on that landing page. So there's things that, that can be done there that we won't get into today. So for direct response advertising, really these are 
impulse buys, right? The idea is that you want people to see an ad and then click through and, and make a purchase. And because impulse buys are driven by, you know, their perception, the audience's perception of the need that they have for the product or the, their interest in having the product, and sometimes even the novelty of the product. Sometimes, you know, if you can drive people to click just because they're like, oh, that ad was cool, I might as well check out the product, right? So because of that, it's important to make sure that the ad creative doesn't confuse the audience. There's that saying by Donald Miller from StoryBrand, if you confuse, you lose. And that's absolutely true when it comes to click-through rate. So if you're not communicating enough in your ad creative that people really get what the product is and why they need it in their life, then you're not going to get the click-through. People will watch the ad and they'll be like, oh, that was cool, but I don't need it. I don't want it. It's not relevant to me. So you need to make sure you get enough rational information, not just being clever in your ads, but actually be super clear as to what this is and why people need it. And I want you to think about when you're, when you're going through this process of, you know, removing yourself from the curse of knowledge. So if you're very close to the product that you're advertising, sometimes um, you can create these, these ads that are highly effective and highly engaging, or you think they are, but it's actually confusing as to what the product actually is for someone that's never seen that product before, or it's the first time they've seen your ads. So try and, you know, step out of yourself and remove yourself from that curse of knowledge that you have and try and look at your ad creative through the lens of someone who's the very first time that they've come across this product or this, um, or this service before. Uh, and if you can be super clear, then that's going to improve the click-through rate. And also this next metric we're going to look at, which is cost per acquisition. So let's move on to that. CPA or cost per acquisition. We're also going to talk about here the AOV or average order value. But first, cost per acquisition, that's measuring the cost of acquiring a new customer through a specific advertising campaign. And it's a metric that's calculated by dividing the total cost of the campaign by the number of new customers acquired. So for, an, for example, if an advertising campaign costs $10,000 and results in 100 new customers, then the CPA would be $100, right? And depending on how the CPA is measured for a specific direct response ad campaign, that could be a measurement of just the ad spend, so the cost of the ad spend versus the um, acquisition of the customer, or it could be the total cost of the acquisition of the customer. Okay, so obviously CPA is one of the important metrics that a business is going to look at to determine return on investment for ads, right? Because if they can understand what it costs to acquire a customer, then they can understand you know, how much they can afford to spend basically to acquire a customer. And if you combine that with AOV or average order value, this is a metric that a business needs to determine, you know, through their shopping cart software or through their um, e-commerce platform and work out on average what is a customer actually spending in a particular order or in, in their one order that happens after they take a click from an ad. So, so working out that average order value is really important because it might be that the CPA and the AOV is the same or it may be different depending on the type of products that people are, are buying and, and their purchasing behaviours on the, on the e-commerce platform. So some of the learnings that we've had um, over the last 12 months around these metrics is it's, it's here that we really understand the potential return on investment and where our, our clients' eyes tend to go when they're determining whether or not a particular ad group is effective. So 
we've found that the average order value or the or the cost per click or the CPA, we found it's actually less directly related to the creative. So, you know, and and what it does do is it actually fluctuates due to the time of year and the ad and certain ad platform factors. So, for example, you know, around Christmas and you know and sale type times such as uh, Black Friday, for example, we find that there's much higher CPMs or or cost per 1,000 impressions on these platforms, and that always obviously affects the cost per acquisition. So we tend to see that we the type of ad creative we're delivering has less of an impact on cost per acquisition, um, but that's more of a fluctuation based on um, algorithm factors and platform factors. However, we, we do notice that the CPA can be higher when we're testing new creatives, so new ideas that we haven't yet found an audience for. But we also recognize that sometimes, and we've found this very specifically, that sometimes you can uh, create an ad that's got a very, what seems like a very high CPA um, after about two weeks or so. But then after about three or four weeks of running that ad, the CPA drops right down and then the ad becomes much more effective and obviously returns on the ad spend a lot better. So where you can give things some time don't just cut them out straight away um so impacting on that cpa is obviously all of the previous things that we've talked about in optimizing ad creative but it's still an important uh, and relevant metric for for direct response advertising and critically cpa is useless without understanding the next metric which is aac or allowable acquisition cost so the allowable acquisition cost or AAC is a metric that represents the maximum amount that a business can afford to spend to acquire a new customer through advertising while still maintaining profitability. So it takes into account the expected revenue that a customer will generate over their entire lifetime as a customer and the associated costs of serving that customer. So in direct response video advertising, the AAC is calculated by subtracting the cost of goods sold, so the actual cost of the product, right? the hard cost of the product that's sold and shipping costs and so on, and the costs of providing services to that customer from the expected revenue that's generated by the customer over their lifetime. So basically everything that it costs to serve this customer, and then you've got the profit margin on top of that, and that becomes the allowable acquisition cost for a customer. So you want to make sure that that allowable acquisition cost is not higher than it costs to actually service that customer, right? So for example, if a business expects a customer to generate $500 in revenue over their lifetime and it costs $100 to produce and deliver the product or service, then the AAC would be $400, right? That means that the business can afford to spend up to $400 on advertising to acquire that customer while still maintaining profitability. So hopefully you followed me there. Now, with our particular product that um, we're, we're selling here, it's a low cost product where they need high volume in sales. So what we understand here with, with our client is that we, we have an allowable acquisition cost of around $20 to $30 maximum. When we're getting higher than $30 as a, as a CPA, then you know on average that starts to become not worth the time to be advertising to, to acquire that customer. Now you need to look at that as an aggregate across your entire ads platform, right? Because certain ads, you're gonna have a higher CPA and certain you're gonna have a much lower CPA. So it's really about understanding along with the client, what's the true value of a customer to them and how much are they comfortable spending in order to buy that customer? 
So we know that the allowable acquisition cost can be higher than the average order value because this particular product is a repeat purchase product. So the average order value might be, um, you know, might be like $20 or so, but we also know we can spend as an allowable acquisition cost up to $30 to acquire a customer because for this particular product that we're advertising, most customers repurchase the product again and again and again. So uh, we know that the average order value or the lifetime value of a customer can be multiple orders over that time. Right. Hopefully you're following me along there. Okay. And the final metric that we look at is return on ad spend or ROAS, R-O-A-S. Now return on ad spend is a marketing metric that measures the revenue generated from an advertising campaign compared to the amount spent on the campaign. So in simple terms, it's a way of determining how much revenue a business earns for every dollar spent on advertising. So for example, if a business spends $1,000 on a Facebook advertising campaigns and generates $5,000 in revenue from that campaign, then the ROAS would be calculated as five to one or 500%. So this means that for every $1 spent on the campaign, the business earns $5 in revenue. Now that's fantastic for direct response and not likely the kind of ROAS that you would get. So what we're looking at here with our um, with this direct response campaigns is we're looking at at a minimum getting a one to one ROAS, which means that for every dollar we spend, we want to get at least a dollar out. Now, obviously, that's breaking even, right? So we can't have too many ads that are just on that one to one ROAS. What we're looking for in many cases is to get a one point five, a two, sometimes up to a three or four times ROAS. Now. That's where we, we, where we find the winners and they're the ones that, you know, our client can keep pumping more and more money into their advertising and continuing to, to spit out returns, right? Now, it's a win some, you lose some kind of a game, right? So certain ads when we're delivering 30 to 40 bits of creative every month for this, for this brand, we're going to have some that have a negative ROAS, um, you know, which is less than one, right? And obviously you can run those for a while and you can cut your losses, but at a certain point, you're going to need to decide that's a, that's a losing ad. Let's cut it and let's focus on some of the higher ROAS. But you've got to give them time to find their, to find their return, to find their ad spend, right? So the way that we approach this is we find Looking at the data over, you know, two or three weeks of running the ad, we find winning creative angles and then we scale it with new concepts, with a different type of talent in the ad. We try and shoot it again in a different approach, maybe taking a, you know, iPhone UGC kind of an approach versus a pro approach. And uh, we try different things with the winning angles. So we're not always coming up with new creatives. Instead, what we're doing is actually looking at the data, finding the winning angles, and then scaling it up with new ideas based on that same winning angle. And really, anything that get, that's getting higher than a 1.0 ROAS, it's worth continuing to run as it may find its groove in the algorithm, as I said before. So there you go. This has been a pretty technical episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, but I hope it's been valuable for you. So there's been a lot that we've learned over the last 12 months of, of working and partnering with this e-commerce brand. And obviously we are going to continue to learn a lot as we move forward. And, and I want to hear from you if this kind of technical and tactical episode has been valuable for you. Let me know. Maybe it's something you're going to have to listen to a couple of times to follow along. Um, but I'd love to hear from you what you've thought of this episode and the learnings that I've shared with you here today. 
So reach out to me, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or on Instagram at engage underscore Ben. I appreciate you for listening. If you haven't yet left a review for this show, then please do. Um, I'm on a bit of a push right now for some more uh, five-star, ideally, reviews on the Apple Podcasts uh, platform in particular. So thanks for listening. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and it's my goal to help you become more confident as a video strategist. So I'll see you in the next episode.